Either we're listening to TikToks. Yeah, it was, it was more like Care Bear more like 3. 5 billion. And even then, we're we're not really sure. We can't attribute that all to organized retail theft. So really, they don't they don't know. They don't know. But does that retraction matter? Probably not. Because mission is accomplished. The main focus of this retail lobby group was to be punishing masterminds behind the crime rings who exploit shoplifters. And in order for them to do that, they worked with lawmakers to enact statues to create a new category of crime, organized retail theft. They were successfully able to do that in 34 states. But not only were they able to create this new brand of crime, right, they were able to lobby for more police, uh, more resources, to attack bail reform because somehow they stated that the bail reform in these bigger cities is actually contributing to the increase in retail theft, even though there's zero data that backs that up. But again, these are the people that said that it was 45 billion and later scaled that back to maybe five. We don't know. So we just witnessed a lobbying group lobby for stricter retail theft laws, right? Increased police presence. What a fucking scam. And if Trump gets elected again, who knows what? Capital punishment for shoplifting. What an effing scam, no dude. Over erroneous numbers that nobody fact-checked. So this is a story. Just made shit up. So in 2021, David Johnson, who was the National Retail Group's Vice President of Asset Protection, sat his ass down at a Senate hearing and said the following. He said that organized retail crime accounted for $45 billion in annual losses for retailers across the country. $45 billion with a B. $45 billion, which led politicians for years, this happened in 2021, politicians for years to run with this storyline right here. I know the Biden administration, Democrat-run cities, the lack of consequences for criminal activity, including open borders. They talk about bail reform. Basically, everything is contributing to the rise in organized retail crime. The rise based off of that $45 billion number, which, again, nobody fact-checked. And then you had... Hmm. Okay, this mm. message is for my NICU bed. Uh, hi, Nipsey. Nipsey, we have an... Um... Three things Doctors Without Borders do in response to a flood. One, we do a mapping exercise. We need to know where people have fled to and what health services have been disrupted. Then we look at access to clean drinking water, food and shelter. Water and sanitation teams set up clean drinking water points for the communities affected or displaced by the flood. Two, huge floods can cause clean river water canals to mix with sewage canals, creating risk of cholera spread. We set up mobile medical clinics to diagnose and treat cholera along with other waterborne illnesses. Three, as floodwaters recede, leaving behind stagnant water, it creates a perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes, which can rapidly increase the number of malaria patients. So, we quickly set up malaria rapid diagnosis and treatment centres. Could be within pre-existing health facilities, new health facilities that we set up, or as mobile medical clinics. Three things Doctors Without Borders do in response to a flood. One, we do a mapping exercise. We need to know where people have fled to and what health services have been disrupted. Then we look at access to clean drinking water, food and shelter. Water and sanitation teams set up clean drinking water points for the communities affected or displaced by the flood. Two, Huge floods can cause clean river water canals to mix with sewage canals, creating risk of cholera spread. We set up mobile <clears throat> medical clinics to diagnose and treat cholera along with other waterborne illnesses. Three, 
As floodwaters recede, leaving behind stagnant water, it creates a perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes, which can rapidly increase the number of malaria patients. So, we quickly set up malaria rapid diagnosis and treatment centres. Could be within pre-existing health facilities, new health facilities that we set up, or as mobile... I want to apply. Three things Doctors Without Borders do in response to a flood. I want to ...and what health services have been disrupted. Then we look at access to clean drinking water, food and shelter. Water and sanitation teams set up clean drinking water points for the communities affected or displaced by the flood. 2. Huge floods can cause clean river water canals to mix with sewage canals, creating risk of cholera spread. We set up mobile medical clinics to diagnose and treat cholera along with other waterborne illnesses. 3. As floodwaters recede, leaving behind stagnant water, it creates a perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes, which can rapidly increase the number of malaria patients. So, we quickly set up malaria rapid diagnosis and treatment centres. Could be within pre-existing health facilities, new health facilities that and we set MA. up, or as mobile medical clinics. Three things Doctors Without Borders do in response to a flood. One, we do a mapping exercise. We need to know where people have fled to and what health services have been disrupted. Then we look at access to clean drinking water, food and shelter. Water and sanitation teams set up clean drinking water points for the communities affected or displaced by the flood. 2. Huge floods can cause clean river water canals to mix with sewage canals, creating risk of cholera spread. We set up mobile medical clinics to diagnose and treat cholera along with other waterborne illnesses. 3. As floodwaters recede, leaving behind stagnant water, it creates a perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes, which can rapidly so, increase the number of malaria so patients. That once so, once apply, hit me up. I have medical emergency response training, an MA and experience in war zone, Bosnia, 93. Then we look at access to clean drinking water, food and shelter. Water and sanitation teams set up clean drinking water points for the communities affected or displaced. Says I want to want to apply HMU, hit me up. I have med school emergency response training and MA medical assisting and experience in war zone, Bosnia ninety three. Huge floods can cause You are still there. Oh my god, you are. Okay, um let's uh if anything awesome that's happened, I might have touched the past couple hours and doing other stuff. <clears throat> Starting to make some comedy clips. Tag all the comedy shops I want to work for. Trying to get a job. Job that I want uh, fires back at Diaper Dawn before Supreme Court. One hour ago. Alright, you see, this is why I don't mess with the dealership and buying their own insurance. Alright? So look at this mess. Let me show you something right here. Uh, no right? commercials, dude. So, Special Counsel Jack Smith immediately responded to Donald Trump's arguments before the United States Supreme Court. Donald Trump argued that haste makes waste and that the United <laughs> States Supreme Court should delay hearing any direct yeah, well, appeal from the Special Counsel hot. Jack Smith until the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals rules on the issue of absolute immunity. But in an immediate response that Special Counsel Jack Smith filed with the United States Supreme Court, Let's Special Counsel says, Jack Smith says that Donald 
Donald Trump's suggestion of further delay before the United States Supreme Court is, quote, misguided. Special <laughs> Counsel Jack Smith goes on to say, quote, the public interest in a prompt resolution of this case favors an immediate definitive decision by this court. The charges here are of the right utmost gravity. This case yes. involves for the yes. first time in our nation's history criminal charges against a former president based on his actions while in office and not just any actions alleged acts to perpetuate himself in power by frustrating the constitutionality prescribed for certifying the lawful winner of an election the nation has a compelling interest in a decision on respondents claim of immunity from these charges and if they are to be tried a resolution by conviction or acquittal without undue delay. Of course, all of these procedures were triggered when Donald Trump filed a motion to dismiss the criminal indictment against him in Washington, D.C. Federal Judge Tanya Chutkin denied Donald Trump's motion to dismiss on the grounds of absolute presidential immunity, finding that the text, the history, and the structure of the United States Constitution does not favor any sort of absolute presidential immunity in criminal cases of former presidents. Donald Trump filed an appeal before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Special Counsel Jack Smith sought expedited briefing before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which the D.C. Circuit granted. Oral argument will be held January 9, 2024. All briefing on Donald Trump's appeal on the issue of absolute presidential immunity will be completed by January 2nd. Uh, but in addition to seeking expedited briefing before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, Special Counsel Jack Smith filed directly with the United States Supreme Court, seeking certiorari or oral argument directly with the United States Supreme Court before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals makes its ruling. Uh, Donald Trump's lawyers, Alina Haba and others, had said they want the United States Supreme Court to make a ruling early on when the indictment by Special Counsel Jack Smith was unsealed in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump's lawyers said that they had a slam-dunk absolute presidential immunity defense. Very recently, Alina Haba, Donald Trump's other lawyers, said they want the Supreme Court to get involved, but notably, when Donald Trump and his lawyers responded to the request or the petition for certiorari filed by special counsel Jack Smith, Donald Trump's lawyers said that haste makes waste. This is what they filed yesterday and said that uh, the Supreme Court should wait, should hold off making any rulings on direct appeal, that there, that these issues here do not present any extraordinary circumstance where they should rule immediately, and that the better uh, decision would be, let's see what the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals does, see what the D.C. Court of Appeals says, and then the Supreme Court can get involved. Basically the exact opposite of what Donald Trump's lawyers have been saying publicly for some time now. The special counsel Jack Smith, in response to Donald Trump's haste makes waste commentary, filed a reply with the United States Supreme Court. You know, what's interesting is that the Supreme Court, in setting a briefing schedule, requested Donald Trump respond by December 20th. I think special counsel Jack Smith then just kind of availed himself to issue a very quick um, response to the Supreme Court less than 24 hours. Special Counsel Jack Smith filed this brief. Let's just go through it together, um, what was just filed, so you can see what I think are very compelling arguments that are being made by Special Counsel Jack Smith, why the Supreme Court should hear this matter on a direct appeal. And in the most extraordinary cases, the Supreme Court can hear direct certiorari. And so here's what Special Counsel Jack Smith says. He 
Jones has responded, um, uh, agrees that the question of whether the former president of the United States enjoys absolute immunity from criminal prosecution for a conspiracy to overturn the election and thereby prevent the lawful winner from taking office is an issue of great constitutional moment. Respondent's principal argument in opposition is that the court should wait. That is incorrect. This court's immediate review of that question is the only way to achieve its timely and definitive resolution. The district court has set a March 4, 2024 trial date. Respondent's interlocutory appeal has resulted in a stay of any proceedings that would move this case towards trial. And while the Court of Appeals has expedited briefing and argument on respondents' interlocutory appeal, the time of its final decision is uncertain. Only a grant of certiorari before judgment, a procedure followed in United States v. Nixon and comparably consequential cases will assure that the court can hear and resolve the case promptly and in any event in its current term. Lomi is the only appliance that prevents food waste from picking up your kitchen and you polluting the planet. Now that I've invested... I think our clients would describe us in a way that is very positive. We bring something that... Beautiful garden. Lomi is perfect for you. Head to lomi.com. Constitutional question in this case. And use promo code LegalAF at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this video. Respondent agrees that the important constitutional question in this case will require the court's review. But he, Donald Trump, maintains that the court should wait for the appellate process to unfold below so that this court has the benefit of the Court of Appeals decision. That suggestion is misguided. The public interest in a prompt resolution of this case favors an immediate definitive decision by this court. The charges here are of the utmost gravity. This case involves for the first time in our nation's history criminal charges against a former president based on his actions while in office and not just any actions. Alleged acts to perpetuate himself in power by frustrating the constitutionally prescribed process for certifying the lawful winner of an election. The nation has a compelling interest in a decision on respondent's claim of immunity from the charges and if they are to be tried a resolution by a conviction or acquittal without undue delay. Given respondent's categorical immunity claim over every act alleged in the indictment, all of which he contends fall within the outer perimeter of his official duties, see his brief, this court's <laughs> review is essential to allow this case to move forward. Only this court can provide the final word on his immunity defense. Certiorari before judgment will allow the court to schedule for briefing and argument to assure that respondent's immunity claim will be resolved as expeditiously as possible. Respondents' other arguments provide no sound reason to deny immediate review. He asserts that the government lacks standing to bring an appeal, but the government is not seeking to appeal the district court's order. Respondent himself has appealed that order. The petition asks this court to grant certiorari before judgment in a case that is already pending in the Court of Appeals, as this court has often done at the behest of parties 
that prevailed in the district court. And although a full response to respondents' immunity arguments can await briefing on the merits, respondent errs in asserting that the district court overlooked important aspects of the question. To the contrary, respondent repeats arguments that the district court carefully considered and rejected. Respondent's disagreements provides no reason to defer this court's resolution of his claim. This court should grant certiorari and set the case for expedited briefing and argument. So a very powerful response there by Special Counsel Jack Smith. Special Counsel Jack Smith reply brief goes over again why this case warrants certiorari, how this procedure has been followed in cases involving significant import to our democracy and under extraordinary circumstances, how Donald Trump's claim that the special counsel's office or the government has no standing is just completely false and belied by procedures like this that have been used before and have historical precedent. It goes on to explain how Donald Trump's arguments um, about why certiorari should not be granted are entirely uh, without merit. And then it basically criticizes Trump and Trump's lawyers uh, for trying to make merits-related arguments when the sole issue to be determined right now by the Supreme Court is whether or not expedited briefing um, will take place before the Supreme Court, whether certiorari should be granted at all, and whether an expedited process, rather, should be taking place. And then if certiorari is granted, then there can be a discussion on a briefing schedule for certiorari, a merits-based briefing, and and then uh, Donald Trump can make his merits arguments at oral argument. And so here's special counsel Jack Smith just basically saying, look, put up or shut up. Donald Trump's claims this issue is of important. They claim this is constitutionally significant, but they're saying haste makes waste. No, this is something that the Supreme Court can and should hear now. Trump's arguments for absolute presidential immunity uh, in criminal cases for former presidents is frivolous. Let's hear this. Let's hear this case right now, United States Supreme Court. So Jack Smith didn't waste any time in filing this. Now this is uh, fully briefed. It's in the hands of the Supreme Court, and let's see what uh, they do. And we'll keep you updated here on the Midas Touch Network. I'm Ben Micellis. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to two million subscribers thanks to your support. Check us out at thanks, Patreon.com/slash/MidasTouch. Have a good one. Thanks, hey, Midas Mighty, love this report. Continue the conversation by. Thanks, brother. Okay. So I volunteered for Doctors Without Borders and um, UN Migration. <coughs> Trump's entire business could end in an instant with the ruling Worried your bank you isn't secure. What time? You're protected. All still there. How you doing there, folks? Worried your bank isn't secure. Hey, man. What time? You're protected with real-time alerts and 24-7-4. If something happens, Shut it just simple your cards with a single tap. And turn we'll it on again you. just as easy. Apply so thanks for 310K. I'm just going to talk over this commercial that I... We have to listen to. Do not suffer with polluted indoor oh, air. This breakthrough device freshens break, the air in your room without any expense. Michael Popak, Legal AF <laughs> After Dark.
Well, the long national nightmare is over. 11 weeks of a trial to try to convince Judge Engoron, who's already convinced that Donald Trump is a fraudster. The civil fraud case brought by the New York Attorney General has reached its finale. Ending, of course, with a motion by Donald Trump's lawyers for the fifth time uh, to have the case dismissed as a matter of law because the New York Attorney General didn't present enough evidence. Well, if you want to figure out how that went down, along with the last remaining expert witnesses that Donald Trump put on, watch our most recent episode of Legal AF. Here is a clip. Finally, although it seems like this happened a very long time ago in our news cycle, these things are happening very, very quickly. We predicted it here on Legal AF that Donald Trump was not going to show up, that he was not going to testify. We've probably been saying this on every one of our episodes. If you just study the pathology of this malignant narcissist, he does the same thing. This, and, and they all do it. The same way Rudy Giuliani said he was going to show up and testify. Donald Trump says he's going to show up and testify. I'm going to prove my case. I'm going to show you what, what, what I'm made of. Only cowards don't show up. That's what Trump's lawyers continue to say as well over and over again. But if you just look at like the January 6th committee subpoena, the E. Jean Carroll case where Donald Trump fled to Scotland and Ireland and like held the shovel in Scotland and said, uh, I have to build something here. That's why I'm not testifying. And then he said, I'm coming back to confront her. And then Judge Kaplan said, all right, we'll give you time to come back to confront her if you want to testify. And then Donald Trump said he's not going to show up. If you go to the Trump University case, he does the same thing. You know, like in a uh, play basketball growing up, you know the player, right? They only can dribble with their right hand. They can't go left. So you got to guard them. They only go right. And you call, he only knows how to go right. Point guard only knows how to go right. You know, when, when I play as a kid, Donald Trump only knows how to do one. He just does the same move over and over again. And it is this delay, 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 lie, 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 blame, 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 act tough and say, I'm going to show up, don't show up. Find some scapegoat, blame the judge, blame the system. It just repeats. It's the exact same thing. It is very it's very simple to see and identify here. But no surprise to you, Michael Popak, that Donald Trump did not show up at this um, uh, New York Attorney General civil fraud case. Huh? He's going to get hit with a massive judgment. He's going to get hit with like a massive, massive judgment there. What say you? Yeah, I think it's um, the writing has been on the wall for a long, long time. I mean, you've got a judge, Judge Ngoron, who on no less than two prior occasions has found persistent fraud in the operation of the Trump organization businesses. Um, he found it a year ago when he imposed as an injunction a monitor, a former federal judge, to keep an eye on everything related to the business practices of the Trump organization and the assets and all of that. And then he found it um, 12 weeks ago when he judge ruled as a matter of law that there was um, that the New York Attorney General prevailed in the first count of their petition to find persistent fraud as that term is used in Executive Law 63-12. And now we've been just waiting around to see if there's five other fraudulent things that Donald Trump has done in addition to that one, and, or six, uh, no, five. And that's been what the 12 weeks has been about. Um, has Is there insurance fraud done intentionally and and that insurance companies relied on at fraudulent statement of financial condition and other fraudulent activities. Is there business record fraud, similar to the Stormy Daniels case, and how they booked certain of these things in their records, i.e. The, the cooked up statement of financial condition? Um, and is there insurance fraud related to 
um, his financial statements, which is what we've talked about, and conspiracies around those three, yes or no. And then what is the ultimate remedy for that? The judge could take away most of what is near and dear to Donald Trump, and by that I mean money and control and the ability to operate a business in New York and borrow money in New York and transact real estate in New York with the first count that was already ruled upon in the summary judgment and dissolve his companies. There'll be a fight over um, how broad um, the powers of this judge is in terms of equity to, um, to do justice. There'll be a fight over it. He'll make his order. It'll be middle of middle to late January after oral argument. The case has gone dark now. Donald Trump did nothing at all to defend himself. He didn't even appear in the defense case. Same for um, Eric Trump, who was the other substantive witness uh, that was that was brought there. And the rebuttal case for the government, for the uh, New York Attorney General, was very light because they didn't think they had been hurt at all with anything in the defense case. Four experts testifying about things that have nothing to do with the fundamental issues of whether there was fraud committed by Donald Trump, it was not going to be persuasive to the trial judge who's the trier of fact in the case. And so um, I'm sure that the decision in this next month that it, the case has gone dark, he's writing his order right now. Sure, he's going to listen to the oral argument, but the judge is not going to, it's going to be three quarters written when he walks in the door. He's got some questions he's going to ask off of whatever, um, uh, I'm not sure if they're doing post- trial briefs, maybe they are, and then an oral argument to support it. He'll ask some of his own questions about it. There'll be another ridiculous set of arguments, literally, in the courtroom. Chris Keisel attacked the New York Attorney General and attacked Judge Angoron and attacked the principal law clerk all over again. It'll just be the same old thing. And then, uh, and then, then he'll issue his order. And the question is, once he does, and I feel that I believe that he's going to find at least three or four more fraud counts that have been proven on the on the on the uh, preponderance of evidence standard for the New York Attorney General, and then got to get down to the meat of the case, the meat of the decision, which is what are the remedies going to be? The first is going to be forget that two hundred and fifty million dollar number that you know, we talked about throughout the summer. That number is gone, based on the testimony by the experts that were put on by the New York Attorney General. Double that number. It's at least five hundred million dollars if they are right about the fraud. And the judge buys it. So, so start with a five hundred million dollar number, and then you go from there. In addition, what do you do with his companies? Because New York doesn't like persistently fraudulent businesses operating. In New York, so they're funny that way. And so the New York, the uh, the Attorney General is going to ask for the dissolution of those companies. They're done. They had their chance for fifty years to operate a business in New York, and they blew it. And what do you do with the officers and directors, which are all named Trump or Weisselberg or McConney or the like, in terms of their ever being able to be in that controlled position of trust again? Uh, that's done. What do you do with Donald Trump's trust? Speaking of trust, where he has all of his assets, who do you put in charge of that? These are all going to be fought over the next few years. So there's going to be a big number we're going to talk about that's going to be awarded, you know, kind of like this $148 million Rudy Giuliani thing, it'll be multiples of that, and a lot of bad things are going to happen to his companies and his ability to operate businesses, but that's going to be appealed and stayed and argued over at the Court of Appeals, or sorry, the First Department Appellate Division uh, for New York, and then ultimately at the Court of Appeals for New York. We may not get an ultimate ruling on that until a year or two later, but, you know, listen, at, by the time January, the, the calendar turns to January, 
between the E. Jean Carroll second jury finding and uh, this one here. Like we said earlier, it could be a $750 million uh, loss that Donald Trump is looking at. He's going to have to post a bond, and I think that piece of it needs to be talked about. Where is he going to be able to... I mean, we're going to be talking about a bond somewhere in the range of 500 to 750 million dollars. I think when you have to add up the various, um, the 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 the, the various places that he's going to get hit from on all these verdicts. So, stay tuned. Well, if you like that kind of hard-hitting legal analysis from two lawyers who seem to know what they're talking about at the intersection of law, politics, and justice, you'll love Legal AF. It's only on the Midas Touch Network. It's on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Wednesdays, I do the show with Karen Friedman, Ignifolo, former prosecutor, and Saturdays with my co-founder and friend. Not that Karen's not my friend. She's my friend, too. Ben Mycellus. So if you like this kind of work, you like what we just did there, join the movement. Join Legal AF. Send that clip to others in your life and ask them to follow us. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm Michael Popak. That was a clip from Legal AF. And until my next hot take, until my next Legal AF, this is Michael Popak reporting. Thanks so much for watching. We're only a few subscribers short of 2 million subs. Please subscribe right now to the Midas Touch YouTube channel for free yeah, and help us grow this great. Apologetically yeah. pro-democracy network. Huckabee's lectern fraud spiraled out of control five minutes ago. <laughs> hey mom, I canceled your auto insurance. What? Why? Because you were paying too much. So we've gone from lectern gate to prison gate in Arkansas as the MAGA Republican governor there, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, compounds one scandal by creating other scandals in this web of corruption. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. I want to break down what's going on in Arizona where recently their attorney general, who is a uh, ally of the governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, MAGA Republican, sued their own Department of Corrections, the AG represents the uh, Department of Corrections, so sued their own client to try to intimidate them because Sarah Huckabee Sanders wanted to have this publicity stunt where she was showing how tough on crime she was because she didn't want to answer questions about a purchase of a purported purchase, I should say, of a $20,000 lectern that no one knows where the heck this lectern is that she purchased from her friends who she was partying with in Paris back in this past June, and her friend has nothing to do with lectern. So here's what's going down. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders starts getting asked questions about the lecterns, like like this one. Play the clip. Yeah, because I figure if I do, then you would talk about nothing else instead of the important actions that we're actually taking today, uh, which unfortunately is not surprising that while we are focused on things that actually impact our state and impact our Kansans, the media wants to spend all of their time focused on things that frankly don't. Any other questions? 
Okay, MAGA Republican Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders doesn't want to have to answer those questions. So then, within a few weeks, she has this publicity stunt that she does. She has her attorney general by her side. She has um, somebody who she appointed um, to be the corrections secretary, Joe Profiri. She has her AG by her side. Um and she talks about her AG's name, Tim Griffin, and they give this press conference about how they're demanding that there be more beds within the prison system in Arizona. Here, here's the press conference that she holds. Last week, the Arkansas State Board of Corrections refused to approve Secretary Perfuri's thoughtful, informed, and desperately needed request to open up hundreds of additional prison beds. This is simply unacceptable. For far too long, there has been a revolving door in our state's prison system. Criminals commit crimes, get sentenced by the court system, and then, because of a shortage of bed space, are let back out on the street streets with just a slap on the wrist. We must enforce the law and quit putting our citizens' lives at risk. I've said it before, and I'm saying it again. The failed status quo will not continue as long as I'm governor. We have the space, we have the resources, we have the personnel. All that stands between us and a safer, stronger Arkansas is bureaucratic red tape. And, and here's the thing, folks. The Department of Corrections in Arkansas was not opposed to the concept in theory of adding more beds. They just wanted to do it in a methodical way, and because they didn't have enough resources, adding more beds was not actually solving the underlying problems that were causing incarceration issues within Arkansas, and it could be dangerous adding more beds precipitously without due deliberation, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders doesn't want to talk about the lectern, so she wants to seem tough on crime. So in typical MAGA fashion, they double and triple down on it. And she's like, no, we're putting these beds in now. So there's a law in Arkansas um, that was enacted by the Republican legislature called the Arkansas Law Act 185, which basically makes this corrections secretary directly under the supervision of the governor, not under the Board of Corrections, not under the Department of Corrections normal structure. And this was a way to kind of consolidate power, very authoritarian-like, in Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and she wants to kind of control everything, and she wants to show through these performative measures that she is being tough on crime. And so this correction secretary is named Joe Profiri, and then you have the attorney general named Tim Griffin, and Tim Griffin has a senior assistant attorney general by the name of Christine Cryer. And so you have Tim Griffin, Margaret Republican Christine Cryer, one of Tim Griffin's lackeys, working with Sarah Huckabee Sanders for this performative stunt about having more beds in prison, which again, the Department of Corrections isn't even against, to try to kind of cover up for people asking all of these questions about the lectern so, so Sarah Huckabee Sanders can look good and she could be tough on crime. So 
what happens here. So Sarah says, screw you to the, Depart to the Department of Corrections. She says, I'm putting these beds in, Arkansas Law Act 185. I'm doing it through my appointee, Joe Profiri. I'm going around the Board of Corrections. I'm doing this on my own. So the Department of Corrections Board, who, by the way, these are not like liberal people. Like these are people who we probably call like traditional kind of conservatives in the old sense before MAGA. A lot of them, they're like, um, no, that's unconstitutional. There's something called Amendment 33 to the Arkansas Constitution, which gives this board independence. You can't do an end run around us by appointing some secretary, Joe Profiri, who's loyal to you. But you see now the Board of Corrections is in a quagmire because they can't have their the Attorney General, Tim Griffin, who's loyal to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, represent them. So they hire their own special counsel. They hire an outside counsel who represents them, someone named Abtin Madagadan. And this special counsel, this Little Rock lawyer, Abtin, he brings a lawsuit against... Uh, the uh, efforts by Joe Profiri against the efforts of Tim Griffin, against the efforts of Sarah Huckabee Sanders to get involved and intrude that way. And they seek a temporary restraining order within the county circuit court to block Huckabee and her and Profiri from this power grab and then putting these beds in and going outside of their authority. By now you may know I'm going to be a dad. See, we build up our lives with bright moments of joy, pride, and success. And however you define those moments, securing your future should be part of the journey. The things we build our future around are things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With trust and will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $159. Go to trustandwill.com slash Midas for 10% off plus free document shipping. I know from my own experience that estate planning through other means can be an incredibly difficult process and often costing thousands of dollars. But trust and will, it makes it easy, super simple, and streamlines the entire process from A to Z. Trust and Will's website is incredibly easy to navigate, and the process is very straightforward. And one of the best parts is that after working with Trust and Will, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure. Trust Does wearing hats cause hair loss? Of course not. This is the Hims Topical Finasteride and Minoxidil Spray. Hims has been the greatest confidence boost. I started my treatment four months ago and I am blown away. You just have to apply it once a day. I tried pills, I tried serums, I tried helmets that emit lasers, nothing else worked. I can't believe how well this has worked. Everyone needs to know about this stuff. All you have to do is fill out an intake form. A licensed provider will review your information. If prescribed, your treatment gets sent to you. I only wish I had found this sooner.
sign that your assets and wishes are secure. Trust and Will has simplified the process of creating and managing your will or trust online, from finding out what's right for your family to finalizing documents with a notary. Ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Trust and Will has made estate planning accessible and affordable. Live customer support is available through phone, chat, and email. Get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash Midas. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Midas. The Board of Corrections also suspends Profiri with pay, but they suspend him and say, you are going around us. You take orders from the board, not from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So that takes place there. And that happened on December 14th. So then on December 15th, what happens? The attorney general who's loyal to Sarah Huckabee Sanders then immediately files a lawsuit against the Department of Corrections and saying their hiring of this outside lawyer violated the Freedom of Information Act and they, the way they hired him was not done in, in an appropriate executive session. And then over the weekend, Tim Griffin, the Attorney General, who by the way is supposed to be the Attorney General of Arkansas, so he's supposed to represent the Department of Corrections. So he sued his own client. So then he starts, to, he hires process servers to go to the house of these uh, Board of Correction officers, uh, the people who are on the Board of Corrections, and serve them while they're eating dinner to kind of harass and intimidate them. And so the AG of Arkansas files a lawsuit against the Board of Corrections, right? So a few things are happening now at the same time. So meanwhile, a temporary restraining order is issued by a court um, last week after the lawsuit was brought by the Board of Corrections, basically stopping Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Tim Griffin and Profiri from getting what they want with these beds and say, no, you can't go around the Board of Corrections process. You can't go around the Constitution of Arizona. So the AG in retaliation then files a lawsuit against their own client, the Board of Corrections, to harass them. And then the Board of Corrections responds and they tell the judge in this case, they say, judge, the Attorney General just sued their own client. The Attorney General sued the Board of Corrections. That's highly, highly unethical conduct. And then they served us over the weekend, and this lawsuit is complete and utter BS, and it's just intended to kind of harass and intimidate us. We we hired the special counsel through the appropriate procedures. We've been doing all the things right and challenging what Sarah Huckabee Sanders was doing with these with these beds and and so finally um the judge issued a ruling now in the lawsuit brought by the attorney general against uh, the Board of Corrections, basically saying that it's up to the board now, if they want to file ethical violations against the AG, that's up to them to do that, because there are these ethical quagmires taking place. Um, and the judge has now given the Attorney General 
30 days to dismiss this frivolous lawsuit, or the judge said, I'm going to dismiss this lawsuit then without prejudice if you don't dismiss it on your own, because this thing is just patently frivolous. Like, what in the world is this? If you take a look at this order that just came out from uh, the, the court, it basically says... This case at this junction from a procedural standpoint is that the Attorney General of Arkansas has sued his own client in violation of his duties and responsibilities legislatively mandated to him by the legislature, the judge wrote. Moreover, by using his discretion to apparently not invoke the special counsel procedure, the Attorney General is apparently attempting to deliberately deprive his state clients of any, represent, any representation of any kind. And so they give him 30 days to dismiss this lawsuit. But it's a mess. And then you go, what's even, like, what's even happening here? What's happening is Sarah Huckabee Sanders did not want to talk about the freaking lectern that people were asking questions about. So she wanted to do the tough person act. We're putting beds in prisons. And the Department of Corrections says, okay, but let's do this the right way. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, no, no, we're doing it my way. I'm bringing in Profiri. I got Tim Griffin. We're going to bully you. And the board says, that's not the way it works. Is that what the Constitution says? So then they brought an action. Huckabee Sanders, Griffin, they retaliate against their own board of corrections, serve them at night, try to intimidate them and create this whole mess because they're not looking at the Arkansas Constitution because Sarah Huckabee Sanders is trying to cover up for the 20,000 lectern purchase to her friend and trying to distract us with all of this stuff. And I know that explanation may be a little bit kind of con you know convoluted and in the weeds, but it's important that we understand their maneuvering. And look, I, I want to continue to shine a light on what's going on in Arkansas, but also more broadly, this is how MAGA operates. And I draw a distinction here between how MAGA is operating and how the Department of Corrections is operating. And there may be people on the board for the Department of Corrections, again, who I disagree with. You know, there may be people who have traditionally conservative views, and I may agree with some of them, I may disagree with some of them, but they're following the Constitution. And then you have this kind of MAGA sledge and hammer approach that just says, you know what? We're going we're gonna to try to screw you over. We're going to sue you for random FOIA violations that have nothing to do with FOIA. We're going to serve you in the middle of the night so your family gets scared while you're all having dinner on Friday and over the weekends. And we're going to send a message to you. That, and it's clumsy and it's loserish and it's dangerous. And I think it's important that we highlight that because... That's coming, if you're not from Arkansas, if you're not from Little Rock, this is coming, as, as, as they say, this is coming to a city near you if we don't push back against this. This is coming to a town near you, a city near you, a county near you. And that's why I want to highlight that here. Thank you for watching. I'm Ben Micellis. This is the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers thanks to your support. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.